1: The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics, discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris.
0: Hey guys, this is Nick Nanavati, and you're listening to another episode of the Art of War podcast. This week, we have my friend John Demers, our other co host, and uh, Colin McDade, who just finished undefeated but did not win due to battle points. SoCal Open with a really interesting, uh, not pure spaceman army. It was like Imperial, technically, Adeptus Astartes, I suppose. Um, Colin, do you want to run us through your list?
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, so, the list is Triple Battalion. Uh, the first battalion is a Blood Angel. Uh, battalion with 2 smash captains and 15 scouts and then I have the new and improved space marine battalion with a a, basically a smash captain a chaplain who can double as a uh, I guess a slaplin as the competitive community is calling him now another squad of scouts and then 2 squads of infiltrators uh, 5 of the new and improved assault centurions and then to top it all off a death Watch Battalion with a Watch Captain, a Deaf Watch Librarian, and then two squads of nine death Watch Vets with two Terminators apiece, Vanguard Vets, and then Storm Bolter, Storm Shield Vets, and then a eight-man squad, basically the same thing but one less Terminator. And then that's my that was the list I ran at SoCal Open. Uh, all the characters I have jump packs too, uh, so they can all move around wherever I need them to, or or a deep strike if I need to with the rest of my stuff. That's
0: super interesting. So um, this is the first time I've seen someone successfully run a Space Marine detachment, not an up here Space Marine army. <laughs> not to say that that can't be good Space Marines, obviously a great army. Uh, right. It's just your foregoing doctrines and you know more synergistic Space Marine things. For Blood Angel Smash captains, which is something we haven't seen since the release of Space Marines, more or less. And Death Watch, which is something very uncommon over here. Um, so what's the thought process behind your list? How does it work? All that stuff.
3: Well, the reason I went with blood angel smash captains is cause I think the plus the, just the base plus one to wound is so good and it's too good not to pass up. Uh, they basically, they can function as just much better. regular space Marine captains. I w- well, maybe not the best, but you can take multiple of them. Uh, you can make them deaf company. So you get an extra attack. So now you're six base attacks when you charge or are charged, uh, as opposed to Space Marines with five, because they also get shock assault still, so they benefit from that, as well as getting six up for Pain. And then the ability to have a second uh, Smash Captain with four damage is pretty mean. That was actually part of the reason why I built my list the way it is now, because you can actually have, at least in my list, three guys with four damage weapons, because I knew Centurions were going to be really big with the, with the new Space Marine codex. so I built my list in a way that With the new space using some of the new space marine codex, I could have guys to have answers to those centurions. The uh, the blood angel smash captain can have a four damage weapon due to his warlord trait, and then the new space marine captain can have mastercrafted four four damage hammer, and then you can also do a chaplain with four damage as well using benediction of fury and the mantra of strength. I believe is what it's called to give his weapon additional damage to make it four damage. So like I figured people would run like. 12 to 18 centurions because i was actually playtesting a list uh with 12 centurions and i figured well if i'm not going to run 12 centurions i should have an answer to that so uh basically basically it kind of did fight lists like yours nick and uh and john lennon's who ran multiple squads of centurions and i guess pampering too because i think he ran 18 centurions yeah, also right he
2: actually had no centurions
3: <laughs> oh that's right i forgot i think you. Yeah. I
2: thought, I thought did, you were... I, he did a BFS, so that's... yeah. yeah that's, that's right,
3: unfair. that's right.
0: Yeah, that's what
2: yeah. you were thinking of. But uh, one thing I think that's really cool is you're actually running Triple Battalion, so y- all of those four-damage hammers can fight on death or fight twice, and you have the points to do it pretty easily. Yeah, ex- so. exactly. Uh, yeah, a lot of points.
3: Yeah, uh, usually I start the game with, like, Twelve, because I'll spend a lot of extra CP to like deep strike stuff, or give additional warlord traits and extra relics, of course. So, but even with twelve, starting with twelve, that's more than uh, most space brain lists. I think we're seeing start with, so that still gives me a lot of play in what I can do with fighting on death or fighting twice, D three extra attacks for my smash captains, and uh, I guess transhuman physiology, which I've kind of been feeling that that stratism actually kind of a trap. 'Cause I don't think it actually does a whole lot.
0: Yeah, I very rarely use it myself. I could see using it on Centurions. Um, so I'm surprised with your sense squad that you don't find use for it, but like with anything short of that, I don't use it much.
3: Yeah, so I thought about it game two versus Ben Jurek uh in his orc list using uh transhuman physiology, because you know, he had the fifteen Lutas, the three shock attack guns with the souped up shaka, and he actually had uh not not the Flamers, but the Tank Busters in his list. And I was thinking, well, I'm in cover, so I get two ups against Ludo's, but I could use, I could pop Transhuman physiology. but I, I realized that the Shock Attack guns are all minus five, so I'm going to be getting a six-up save against that. And if he gets like one 11 or 12 on his damage roll, they're just going to get deleted anyway, so I figured it wasn't even worth it at that point. Because hmm. he basically had to shoot everything into them to kill them, and I figured if he's going to have to shoot everything to kill him anyway... I might as well just not waste a two CP. And it was the right call in that, in that game, honestly, to do that.
0: Interesting. Did he roll an 11 or 12 on a shock attack gun?
3: Uh, he actually did not, but he usually rolled like a lot of 7s and 8s, so he's winning on 3s, and he got a lot of wounds through. Yeah. Uh, well, I take that back. He might have rolled one, 11, or 12 at that point, but that was the only time he would have rolled it because the entire rest of the game, he did not roll above an 8 or 9 for the damage, surprisingly.
0: Yeah, well, that's shock attackers, I
3: suppose. Yeah, they're Uh, really unreliable.
0: Right, but I guess when you put it that way, you're right. It's you're paying basically two CP for functionally Mm -hmm. minus one to wound, Mm -hmm. and you know not quite that because uh, if he rolls uh, an eleven or twelve, as you said, then you're dead anyway.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And if you're looking at fifteen tank busters and three shock attackers, you're probably going to die either way. So why spend? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the Death Watch and, like, what they're doing for you. Um, they were popular-ish. I mean, as popular as Death Watch can be a while ago when we were seeing a Horde meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've definitely... They've kind of lost some targets, especially in the vehicle-heavy world we're in now. Uh, they don't have a good ammo type for vehicles, unless I'm mistaken.
3: Yeah, they don't have a great ammo type. Uh, I mean, they still benefit somewhat from mission tactics. If, like, say, uh, I'm facing I face against the triple repulsor list twice. So I would take the heavy support doctrine They give me real ones to wound against vehicles or at least against heavy support vehicles. Uh, so even though I was winning on sixes, I had real ones to wound. I would fire the minus two AP round. Yeah. And then if I really wanted to, I could do the plus one to wound strat. So I could be winning on fives reeling really ones to, ones to wound, which it, which it worked out for me. Cause usually what I would do against that is I would shoot them, shave off a couple of runes off the, off the executioners and then send a smash captain to finish it off so even if i rolled slightly poorly it would still finish them off in one round of combat which would save me other cp on like fighting fighting twice or fighting on death
0: so i think a lot of players uh especially less experienced players kind of see death watch and they don't really know what it does um Obviously, they might know the rules, like they have different kinds of ammo for different kinds of problems, but how does a Death Watch army or Detachment rather play on the battlefield? Like, do you deep strike? Do you teleport? Do you hide? Do you just run straight across the table? How do you use this army?
3: So I guess that depends on which kind of Death Watch force you want to go for. There's two main schools of thought, one that that I'm part of, and then one that uh, some other players are part of, is whether you go Primaris or Non-Primaris, which I guess... Uh, has kind of been settled with the space brain codex but for for death watch you can definitely get a lot more shots and wounds out by running primaris uh but you trade off of that in vulnerability i think when like what you were saying before with the doctrines all that extra ap really adds up in my opinion and you are just get you're just going to lose your primaris death watch a lot faster so that's why i went with the the storm shield vets because sure you can fire me, fire at me with your AP two or AP three bolters, but I still have a three up save at the end of the day. So that's why that's why I went that route. Uh, I usually deep strike two squads, and then I'll usually either start one squad on the table, on the table or or deep strike the third squad. Um, usually, I start the one squad on the table and then take the Beacon to Angelus. So whenever I bring my Watch captain down, he can then teleport that squad in my backfield to him uh usually usually the reason i do that is it gives me a little bit more presence on the board first turn because every list that's running three thunderfire cannons can easily clear scouts squads of scouts now so i, I kind of keep them on the board right now to kind of give me a board presence to keep me from potentially getting tabled first turn if someone is real really hot on their def on their thunderfire cannons to clear out my scout squads
0: right so basically your initial deployment is basically uh some Death Watch and Scouts and characters and you're just hiding. Do you normally Deep Strike the Centurions too?
3: Uh usually I don't. Uh every game, every game, so I've only played five, I guess technically six games with this list actually. Uh this exact list. I've been playing with the Deathwatch Blood Angel part since uh early June. And I've kind of been subbing out the third detachment as the meta's the meta's shifted to adapt to the meta. Uh, I actually ran the, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Master of Ambush Warlord trait from Raven Guard. So yeah. I would actually put the Centurions in the middle of the board every game, and oh, wow. that actually that actually went that actually was huge for me in every game. Uh, like against uh, like Siegler, for example, I put them up into the in the so okay you know the you know the table with the four wall the four hill walls and the one big room in the yeah, center. Yeah, so I lost two. Oh. <laughs> So, I was playing on that one against C- Richard Siegler, against his Tau, and I put the five Centurions in the middle in the, middle in the building, and it made, it, it made him have a really hard choice. Either he stayed back and not let my Centurions get close to him, or he runs up, tries to kill the Centurions with everything he has, and get the middle of the board. And honestly, that's what they kind of forced my opponents to do in most games, was to make a choice on how to react to react to those centurions being in the middle of the board uh and then when siegler did that he was able to he had to mont to actually do it he didn't have enough movement space to actually get to see my centurion since i was on the side of the building where i got to see into the building he did not so he had to either get around the side of the building or get on top of it so he had a mont first turn which which was great for me because he had to burn that and also, he wasn't able to get any marker lights or any pathfinders in range to to get some marker light shots off on me to get any bonuses. So he's just he was just shooting at me with uh, straight BS4 for for his riptides. So I actually had three Centurions survive after all three t- no two of the commanders and all three riptides firing at me, and then that allowed me to charge charge those three at the one riptide that was on top of the building. Uh, without any drone protection so oh, wow. I lost one to overwatch and then uh, I had the last two centurions fight the riptide which didn't have the three up and vuln up he had to go 18 burst cannon to try to, to kill them off and those two centurions actually was able to kill that riptide uh, in one round of combat without fighting twice because I had a stratagem called Lalo the tyrants which gave me plus one to wound on the riptide because oh, Layla, oh, yeah. it, it's it's the Raven Guard strat that gives you plus one to wound against any model that's not a vehicle with four or more wounds, or a character that has four or more wounds. Riptides aren't vehicles; they're battle suits. So yeah. I was able to wound them on twos with the with the Centurions.
0: You know, I think that's the first time someone has actually used that stratagem in the history oh, of the game.
3: <laughs> yeah I, I don't think anyone uh, I don't think anyone's probably used it either. But I actually didn't re- I actually didn't think about that until like the. A couple days before then, and I was like, wow, if I face Tao, that'd be really good in the right situation. And it actually worked out. No, it's uh, no, it's, it's only in the fight phase,
2: but I think that stratagem actually is really good against opposing centurions. So, right? I guess well, you wound them on twos anyway, right? Centurions
3: so, were always, we're already ruined on twos anyway because they're strength no, 10. But uh, I'm saying, unless like, you somehow,
2: unless you have something else swinging mm-hmm. into into sense, so like you know, like if you have like a Raven Guard smash captain. You can give it plus right. one uh, to one. Yeah, I
0: guess I'll be plus one to one at that point. Yeah,
2: so that would be good.
3: Oh, but, yeah, true.
0: Um, no, nah, it's really interesting. So, so you infiltrate the sense... Yeah, go ahead,
2: Joe. I just wanted to, I wanted to ask about... Um, I noticed that your squads are mixed, so you've got your veteran squads, obviously, they've got Storm Shields, and then they've got Terminators, um, which mm-hmm. makes them surprisingly durable, right? Because if it's small arms fire, and you're let's say you're standing in cover... Uh, mm-hmm. you have that one up on your terminators. You can just mm-hmm. you know soak all that minus one bolter fire or whatever, and then the big shots all go into Vanguard vets with a three up, uh, invol. Yep. Um, so I just thought that would maybe be worth pointing out to newer players that that list it it doesn't look that durable, but um, those squads are mm. kind of sneakily durable actually.
3: Yes, and they're actually surprisingly hard to get kills off of because if you leave any of the guys left alive in the squad. Then I'm probably have left a Terminator line in the squad, which means they're auto passing their morale. So, and unless you actually finish the squad off, you're not going to get that kill point for me and against me in ITC. Uh, because when you have a Terminator in the Death Watch veteran squad, it makes them auto immune to morale. Yeah.
0: And then do you ever teleport them back with your teleporter homers to some crazy spot in the backfield?
3: Uh, in one of my original lists, I had bikes in there. You have to take a bike in the squad to do that. Oh, I missed that rule. Yeah, and you lose out on a, uh, and you lose out on a uh, storm shield at that point. There, f- I definitely wish I still had the bikes in my list for that abil- Extra ability because when you add in the bike, it also lets you fall back in charge. But I just haven't really seen the need for it lately, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Um. So, just you want to explain what the bike does for those of us who aren't so familiar with death watch
3: so in your death watch veteran squads you have your basic veterans which are basically your normal veteran marines with but with special issue ammo you can kit them all out with all sorts of different weapons and then each additional unit type you add to the squad adds additional ability so as i already pointed out the terminator lets you auto pass morale the vanguard vet lets you fall back and shoot as if you had fly but It doesn't actually give you the fly keyword, so any abilities that give bonus to hits against fly doesn't work against them. And then the bike, uh, you can either buy it with the Teleport Homer or without the Teleport Homer. Always buy the Teleport Homer if you're going to take it. It lets you fall back and shoot, fall back and charge, excuse me. And then uh, basically, it, it basically lets you be, like you have jump packs and you're also White Scars so you can fall back and charge. And then the Teleport Homer, you also have to have a Terminator in your squad to do this. Uh, it lets you basically teleport out of combat or anywhere you're, you're out on the board, and basically redeep strike within six inches of the teleport homer. And the other tricky p- tricky part of this is that you don't have to be nine inches away from enemy models when you do this. So let's say like my opponent's coming across the board at me, and he's got like a big squad near my backfield. I can actually pick my squad up that's on this other side of the table, bring them back to my deployment zone near those teleport homers. And I can be like only like two to three inches away from you. And then now I get to shoot at you and charge at you, uh, having a really short charge. Yeah.
0: And I just want to take a second, guys, and say like, this probably sounds super cool. I'm like, oh my God, I want to play Death Watch and do this every time. This is a really niche ability. uh, So niche that Colin apparently took it out of his list. That almost never comes into play, but that's Death Watch. You got a lot of tools for every situation. Mm -hmm. And then it's just about picking which one is the right for that moment.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so, why are there infiltrators in your list? This caught me off guard a little bit. I figured, uh, you know, and usually when I see infiltrators, because people want to stop Gene Stealer Cult from charging them or something like that. But, you know, they're not too prominent in the meta right now. I don't imagine Death and Centurion struggle too much with Gene Stealer Cult.
3: So, what's your thought process? Well, yeah, they were in there originally for Gene Stealer Cult because we, we have a, a couple of really good Gene Stealer Cult players in the Texas meta. So, i had them in there for that but once the new space ring codex came out and i kind of was seeing what people were taking like uh with the eliminators and the thunderfire cannons and the other indirect fire they they actually became a really good choice for me to keep in there for really durable troops yeah i found
0: something similar with my list which is why i switched almost all to intercessors just having the the three-up armor on the 2 one profile, it makes you pretty immune to like enemy artillery like that.
3: Yeah, that's exactly why I took them, because I think uh, I fought Space Marines three times with two two or three Thunderfire cannons in every list, and then Tau in the last game. Uh, I think in every one of those games, I took, uh, what is it, not uh, engineers. I would actually make my, my infiltrators my engineer units, because Thunderfire cannons do really great work against one wound models. It mm-hmm. takes a lot longer for them to kill 2 wound models, I found, I've found. So in the, four wow. games I t- in the four games I took engineers with my infiltrators, I made every point with them. Wow. And, then the, and then <laughs> the other really cool thing is, is that not only do they have the primaries profile, they also get uh, smoke grenades. So if I need to really keep them alive for one turn or to just weather a turn of fire, I can just have them pop smoke and then now they're an additional minus 1 to hit. So it oh, takes a little bit more for them to actually get shot at.
1: So
2: you're a Raven Guard, right? So you can if they're standing not an objective, you can give them the additional minus 1.
3: So I made them I made them successor Raven Guard so I don't get that, that ability, but uh something that's still pretty good since i are Raven Guard, I can actually deep strike the infiltrators. And I actually did that one game against Siegler. I was worried that he might go after my Engineer Infiltrators first turn with, that, uh, with, with the way the terrain was. He could easily deploy to one side of the board and see me. Or I thought he was gonna actually going to Deep Strike his commanders and come after my Infiltrators right away. So if he did that, uh, I would have the second squadron reserve and then Deep Strike on the other side of the table and grab a different objective for Engineers. Yeah,
0: Deep Striking Engineer Squad, I think, is a really underrated tool. Very good. No, it's
2: really, it's I mean, really good. No, I was I was more referring... I think there's... Isn't there a Raven Guard stratagem that's like one? It, where, there is a strat,
0: It's Like, if you don't make any attacks for one CP, you can make a unit minus to hit. Well.
3: Yes. Oh, yes. That one, yes. You can do that, so you're an additional minus one to hit. I think yeah. White Scars actually have a similar stratagem as well.
0: White Scars have one if you advance.
3: Yeah. That's right. Um...
0: Interesting. Did you find that you needed to have infiltrators doing this role? Do you think intercessors could just save you 50 points because you're mostly just using them for the toughness profile, not their actual role? Or did you
3: actually find use out of them? Yeah. <sighs> so, I also like them for the infiltrate ability. A lot of my games, I actually took recon as well, and being able to infiltrate Primaris is pretty mean, I found, as well. So, that way, if like, especially against the marine list with the Thunderfire cannons, it's if I wanted to put Scouts all over the board and control Recon, uh, I also put my Infiltrators with them as well, so it made them that much harder to deny me Recon each turn, because not only do you have to kill multiple squads, you're also dealing with Primaris in cover uh, to root me out for uh, for Recon points as well. So that's another reason I, I like the Infiltrators over the Intercessors, at least well, in my it's, list.
2: It's also worth pointing out, you're really overloading Thunderfire cannons, because... You know mm. darn well they're going to want to Tremor Shell the stupid Assault Centurions that are sitting in the middle of the board. Mm. So, like, it, it, you're really taxing them in a lot of ways.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, but honestly, when I put them in the middle of the board, they're so focused on, on keeping them there that it would pay dividends for me in other ways. Because once my opponent's like, they see those Centurions in their face right, at, right in front of them, turn one, they're like, I have to deal with them and even if they're if they're wasting their cp on that each turn i'm fine with it because you're still not coming near me because i have hungry for battle on my raven guard successor so i can still potentially get a close charge if you get too close to me and uh, and they're wasting C- cp which i actually think is one of the ways you have to you have you have to play to play the game now to beat marine because once yeah. they're at a cp they can't do near as many tricks
0: uh, I agree completely. Yeah. I see people like saying, don't take any boys in your orc list, don't take any grotesques in your dark outer list. And, uh, I think the entire opposite take two units at least. And if they want to tremor shell both, Marines cannot afford to just spend three CP a turn doing that. It's just, it's oh no. for them. Um, it's, it's a fear for those players who are going to get tremor shelled. We really understand it, but it's just, a. Uh, it's mm-hmm. The grass is always greener on the other side, right?
3: Oh, yeah. When you're
0: when you're looking at the Tremor Shell strat, you're like, oh, my God, what can I do? I just never take movement phases. Mm-hmm. And when the Rain Printer is like, oh, my God, I have to spend three CP to Tremor Shell. This is horrible. I'm just not even going to mm-hmm. do this.
3: And see, I actually think Dark Eldar are at a better spot than most players to to do that since they can actually deep strike both their grotesque squads, too. So they can just ignore it anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I'm trying to imagine how your army plays on the table, right? So you're deep striking vet squads, and you have a centurion squad in the middle. How do you get from that position where you have like characters scattered about, scouts and infiltrators scattered about, centurions in the middle, deathwatch and deep strike? At what point do you just hit your enemy really hard, and, and how do you translate that into a win? What do you go after? What, do you, what is your strategy there?
3: Well, my entire list is built to where I can either infiltrate everything or deep strike Anything that can't infiltrate, so I can basically adapt to my my deployment to any situation. Uh, I guess the way I've kind of done, the way I kind of did it at SoCal was the Centurions would basically soften up my opponent's turn one. Only one game was, was that where the was that stratagem not effective, which was the last game, which I should have just kept them in the building, menacing my opponent in the middle of the board the whole game. Uh, usually, what I did. So for example against I guess for example against the orc player uh, that I played game two, just putting in the little the board affected how my opponents deployed. He made sure that he, I could not flame or bolter more than uh, one to two rows of of grots for his for his uh, screens turn one so I had to, so I could so I could only kill x amount, which my opponents kind of did that in every game they deployed far enough back to where they could not. I could not get my centurions at them for turn one, which in itself worked for me because that means that now my death watch are deep deep striking uh farther up the board and closer to your closer to your models to, to kill. Yeah, them. Yeah,
0: it's almost like if your opponent tries to screen your death watch your centurions go nuts. If your opponent exactly. tries to screen your, death watch, your centurions, your, exactly. to screen your, death watch, your death watch gets to do stuff.
3: Exactly. Uh, most of the most of the games I was actually able to get my, my centurions to actually just clear screens the first turn or two, which I had my Death Watch and my Smash Captains to get much farther up the board, closer to the opponent, which a lot of times I actually uh, I actually was using my Death Watch squads to just grab characters or a couple models left uh, left over in unit after shooting them to lock them up in combat. So my characters just get up closer to then uh, get into combat the following turn without using additional CP to make longer charges.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
3: And that actually Zero happened watch. in... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, go ahead.
0: Uh, I was going to say, so it's almost like your list is like very aggressive, but also patient in that you wait until like turn 2 or turn 3, depending right time to strike, and then just go all in at once basically.
3: Basically, yeah. Uh, old school is really bad for my list because I usually don't uh, kill too much on turn 1 unless the Centurions just go ham. Uh, so if my opponent really wants to be sneaky and just put everything back in the corner away from me I'm not going to take Old School on the chance of that happening. Right. That makes
0: sense. So do you think that uh, adding like some Thunderfire Cannons or Rollins wouldn't add a lot of value to you? So you could take Old School, so you can get a kill on turn one, keep up the scoreboard like that?
3: I thought about it. Uh, I had a variation on my list where basically I dropped one Centurion and I think two Veterans, which gave me a Thunderfire Cannon. I I seriously th- considered it, but you po- you pointed out as you pointed out earlier, I don't have doctrines in my list, so the thunderfire cannon's not quite as effective yeah. because raven guard's not the best one for, th- for thunderfire cannons. I'm not getting the additional AP, so like if I'm shooting against other marines in cover, they're still getting a three up save, so it's not super efficient for wh- for the way my list is designed. But I would consider eliminators uh, for my list instead of a thunderfire cannon because being able to pop enemy characters was probably the only thing I wished I had in the list, but
0: I'm surprised that was an issue for usually the aggressive close combat or at least close ranged armies, especially with three smash captain type characters can just charge and kill characters.
3: Well, I did that, but you know, having extra redundancy is always nice, right?
0: For sure. Yeah. So, um, I want to get into matchups in part two, but I have so many matchup questions for you. It's hard for me to like, Ask strategic questions, especially because their games change so much game by game. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of like commonalities here. Is there any units you considered that you didn't um, bring or anything besides the Thunderfire cannon? Like anything that didn't quite make the list? Because I imagine this list is fairly new since it has Raven Guard in it. How, how has this list evolved?
3: Uh, I'll give you an example uh, Warzone Houston back in July. I basically ran this exact list. I had the full Death Watch squads. For uh, that had that included the bikes with the teleport numbers, as we talked about, uh, and then they were all ten man's. And then instead of the centurions, which weren't good yet, I had three squads of three eliminators.
1: Mm. So you were using eliminators
0: even before in the old codex. Even though they're pretty much exactly the same, to be honest.
3: Uh, I the the strength five makes a whole lot a whole lot of difference. Well, they used actually. to be strength
0: four. I forget. Yeah, they were.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so I was using them before they got really popular, and I I thought they were money then. The fact that GW made them Strength 5, applied their character targeting abilities to the other sniper rounds, which they didn't used to work like that, actually, and uh, and the extra Doctrine bonuses and everything else on top of that for no point increase is insane to me. So uh, yeah. I really considered taking them, but it was pretty much do I take those Eliminators because I can't drop any more from my Death Watch squads or Really, anything for the blood Angel squad, the blood angel d- detachment to play around with, so it came down to basically eliminators or centurions, and I'm sure you realize which one I picked because I just felt centurions were the more dominant threat
0: so i'm I'm surprised that was the choice you had. Um, the reason that surprised me is basically those are two such functionally different I mean, centurions that infiltrating into the middle scare people and then board control mm-hmm. and elimin- eliminators that infiltrate and shoot sniper rounds are like janky character denial where like they stand mm-hmm. for their characters or characters can shot and they get to shoot something while they're at it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that your list plays the same with eliminators or centurions, but centurions are just a better version. So how does your list fundamentally train strategically with that? What's with your, those two different units?
3: I feel like the centurions are more survivable. Uh, and I really felt that the eliminators, if I just take them, it's really easier for my opponents to just say, "Okay, I'm just going to hide them out of the line of sight." And with marines being so prevalent, especially, I, I've actually seen more people take more and more primaris characters actually, and even just a regular basic lieutenant or captain sitting in cover out of line of sight, they're not going to kill kill them in one to two turns, even if all three firing, all three squads firing at one, because I had it happen to me, and they didn't kill them. Especially if they take storm shields, uh, because their their strength five minus one one damage round doesn't do near as much as their their d three damage yeah, round.
0: Especially without dev doctrine so, to make them minus two.
3: Yeah, I mean, even with dev doctrine, uh, I feel like most space marine players are still going to spend the ten the pen, ten points to give them a three up storm shield. So even if they're minus two, ignore cover. They if they take a storm shield, they're still a three up save, which is effectively the same thing as if. I was shooting them with no AP, almost.
0: Right, right. I'm thinking more for stuff like Librarians, which just can't take a Storm Shield.
3: Oh, yeah, Librarians. Yeah, that was that was one thing, actually. But uh, the one game that mattered, uh, I actually cast Might of Heroes on him to make him T5, so mm. it's harder for them to wound, wound him. Gotcha. So, uh, uh, I
1: forgot what I was going to ask.
0: Um, I don't know. The Death Watch. Um, did you find that they were too fragile? I know they all have storm shields and the Terminator for uh, tanking, as John pointed out earlier. But they—they they are still just Marines, as the saying goes. So, right? Did they ever just die on you for no reason? I remember. I know what it feels like to have cold storm shield safes and just pick up hundreds of points at a time.
3: It was kind of average. I would pass some and save some. I never got, like, super hot or super cold, I think. Uh, They never got, well, I take that back. One or two times I'd have them wiped out. But that was also my opponents pretty much in their entire army shooting and killing that one squad. So I felt that if they took their entire army to kill with just one of my squads, I felt like I was doing pretty good at that point.
0: Yeah. I guess the question I'm more asking is, like, because you're dealing with, like such a low quantity of high-quality models, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be naturally more vulnerable to crazy spikes the dice. And they'll go both ways. Right. If you pass a million saves, your opponent's like, what the shit? If you fail mm-hmm. a bunch, right. you know, your plan falls tits up. So how do you deal with that? Because I'm sure it's happened, if not in SoCal, at some point.
3: Uh, well, I, you just have to mitigate it. And I think that's the best way to do that, is positioning, uh, making sure that, if I feel like I'm going to take a lot of fire incoming, I'll just drop them out of line of sight, and then they take a lot less fire that way. Uh, Marines, I think the one thing, even though their Thunderfire cans are really good, they still struggle if they ignore line of sight game, I think. Uh, just because they're taking, they're spoiled for choice. And I just kind of feel like the normal codex base Marines, while they are really good, they're also paying for what they do, and they don't have as many qual well, they have quality shots. I don't think they have quantity shots, at least with the Marine list we're seeing right now. Yeah. So I felt that I could weather that storm in that trade off because they're paying about as much points for me for their toys as I am for mine, if not more, especially in the case of like executioners and centurions.
0: Right. Because an executioner is pumping out 30 shots, but it costs 300 points and you're doing the exactly. same. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how often, I know everyone's tempted with Death Watch to come in, wound on twos or AP minus two or something and fire 40 shots and do all kinds of cool stuff. How often do you actually do that as opposed to just dropping cagely behind terrain?
3: Um, I think it was about 50-50 at SoCal. I guess it kind of depends on what army I'm facing against. So what uh, are the
0: kind of factors that influence that decision?
3: I guess one is do I have the option of dropping in to cover or not? Like on certain tables, I played on that four wall hill table uh, at least three games. So I didn't really have the option. Awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it made up for it in round three. Uh, so, like in those games, I just had to drop out in the open and kill as much as I could. Hopefully, maybe make a charge with them and try to wrap or at least get across the board to do more damage and then weather the storm, honestly. Uh, when I have the opportunity to do so, I think I, I'll do it more often than not. Yeah. Or, uh.
0: Well, I mean, I guess obviously the, the grand ideal is to be out on the site, nuke a squad, and then hide. Mm-hmm. If the choice is nuke something or hide, which one do you go for and why?
3: I think it depends on the situation. So I guess against the, uh, the Tau player, or I should say the, uh, the list, one list I did that I, I hid against, the Triple Repulsor, Gilliman, and Three Thunderfire Cannon list that I faced, I chose to hide against. Because even though Gilliman was nerfed slightly, full rerolls on three executioners, and reeling once to Lerun, I know will toast my squad. So in those matchups, I chose to hide. Uh, because I had the opportunity to also. But against, say, the lap, my last round opponent, I dropped out in the open. Because both of his Engineer squads were 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 exposed, so I sent one squad down, and I was able to kill both of them off with that one squad, which was huge in that game. So I think it's really on I guess looking at the flow of the game, seeing where you're at in points, what you need to do to win, and then making the right decision on whether or not exposing them will net you enough reward to be worth it to lose them in return the next turn. So in that situation where I killed off both of those His last two, his the remaining parts of his two engineer squads. That was worth it because I stopped him from scoring additional additional three points that game. For not even losing that squad in return, actually at that point, even though he was that squad was exposed, so it worked out incredibly well in my favor because I had another squad that was wounded down, that was more in his face uh, that he had to deal with.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds to me like you're you're focused much more on playing the mission. sniping engineers, getting yourself recons, getting your own engineers, just, just focusing on that, denying your opponent kills, interacting as much as possible, just doing the bare minimum to get mm-hmm. by and score more points than your opponent. Does that mean that, generally speaking, you would forego actually damaging your opponent or tabling him or going for those kinds of aggressive moves and just sticking mm-hmm. to the game plan?
3: No, uh, I would say I play the mission until my opponent makes a mistake. Uh, cause I whittled down most, all of my opponent's armies pretty well in all the games that we played. Cause I mean, you can't just leave your opponent's army intact cause they're just going to run over you at that point. But, uh, I think it's kind of knowing being the patient hunter to quote the Tao, I guess. Yeah. Is that the, is that the Monk car or the Kalyan? The patient, the <laughs> patient hunt. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is, but, uh, we basically
0: pulling on uh, the week yeah. before. Right. And, and uh. Yeah, he would have been perfect guy to ask that question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's, I guess being the patient hunter, uh, knowing when the right point to strike is, playing the mission until you know you have to start damaging your opponent. Because I mean, I have all these smash captains. I want to go, go and kill stuff. So I think in every game that I played against, the two games I played against repulsors, I know I killed at least five of the six repulsors uh, because they're just, they just do too much to ignore.
0: Right. Uh, so how are you killing repulsors? I know you said, you know, you wound on fives through AP two round, but it's at the end of the day it's gonna be uh toughness strength 4 versus toughness eight and it's like sixteen or eighteen wounds or something
3: like a squad mm-hmm. death
0: watch is not bringing that down. How how are you killing those guys?
3: Well, that's what the Blood Angel Smash Captains are for, because I'm strength bait, I'm wounding on threes with red rampage, and if I cast Might of Heroes on one now I'm strength 10, wounding on twos against repulsors. Do you don't
0: have any issue of uh, the minus two charge or dying to overwatch or anything like that?
3: Not when I ignore an overwatch and I charge on 3d6, which Space Marines can't do. Because uh, even the White Scar version, they only get to take two dice, whereas the Blood Angel ones get to take 3D- the full 3d6 charge.
0: Yeah, I mean, 3d6 uh, with a reroll from the Angel's Wing, I could definitely see that getting mm-hmm. done, even on 11, I think that's still mathematically very yeah. sound.
3: And actually, uh, what I did against those two games with the Angel Wing, I actually just dropped the Death, excuse me, not the Death Watch, the Blood Angel Captain down, out of line of sight, in cover, so I actually got to move him up 12 inches the next turn and made it an even shorter charge.
0: Oh, that's nice, that's nice. I thought the the Descent of Angel's Strat only worked on the turn of Deep Strike, am I mistaken?
3: Uh, it all, it only works then, but I still get the free uh the free reroll from the from the Angel's from the wing Angels relic. Wing, right.
0: So so you so, basically you're you're making it a very short charge and rerolling it, but like yes,
3: you're, you're
0: striking and then charging by the running across the table essentially.
3: Yeah, it,
2: yeah essentially. It, yeah, and just thinking about it, right? You've got a lot of pretty durable stuff. You can hide line, out of line of sight. You know, infiltrators, Centurions, mm-hmm. um, scouts, whatever. So you could move those captains up pretty aggressively and still have them yes. because of the character rule, be pretty safe and projecting mm-hmm. force quite a ways out, right?
3: And that's and that's why the, my list is designed the way it is, because those centurions, by being right in the middle of the board, that makes you want to stay away from them, be bunched up, which lets my captains get in closer.
0: Yep. That's pretty solid. So the from a list theory standpoint, I know you have triple battalion, which lets you infiltrate and deep strike, kind of willy-nilly have triple smash captains to support them all that stuff is really great well mm-hmm. it comes at the opportunity cost of having to run scout squads and i personally am so fed up with having scout squads down at thunderfire cannons because i feel like i'm bleeding butcher's bills kill moors all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. if you either upgraded those to primaris juice which is a hefty penny or um Just go go down to two battalions, you forego your scouts and no longer have that issue. Still Mm -hmm. keeping infiltrators because you have infiltrators. Um, Do you think that is worth it? You know, not giving up those points to just have fewer command points?
3: I've thought about it. Uh, I've definitely kind of realized scout squads definitely are more of a liability now. But I mean, I I wanted more CP in my list. And the only way to do that, unfortunately, was to take more scouts. Uh, so I think it's just kind of a trade-off you make the more damage potential versus having some weaker squads that'll die, which even so, I, I guess against I a couple of the lists, it made my opponents focus on them early instead of going after other stuff too, which it's like, do I go after the free kills of the scouts or do I try to damage the centurions before they move out and try to right. try to eat my face, I guess.
0: And I guess against like Deathwatch, every wound counts. So like if they shoot a Mm -hmm. thunderfire at a scout squad, that could be two dead Deathwatch guys. That's a big difference. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's fair because it's too tempting of a target to pass Mm -hmm. up. Because like to your opponent, that's three sitting on the board. You know, it could be kill, kill more Butchers Mm Bill. But to you, it's like these are my army. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and even and even so, like if I I usually always had my scouts sitting in cover, so they're still getting five up saves against. Against the, uh, against the minus two Thunderfire Cannons and Devastator Doctrine. So right. if, I roll a, if I roll Clutch on a couple five-up saves... Oh,
0: I've definitely had Thunderfires not one-shot a scout squad.
3: Exactly. And then I'm hoping for those moments to where, okay, now you don't have a kill yet, and are you going to spend 2 CP to fire that Thunderfire Cannon twice to kill that squad off? Great. You've spent 2 CP that I was hoping you'd have for your, hoping for you right. to win. And that's kind of like
0: a fickle aspect of averages. It's like, on average, the scouts die. If you dice spike up and kill exactly. eight scouts, it doesn't make a difference. There were only five. If you dice mm-hmm. spike down and kill four scouts, it's a huge difference. Exactly. So you're playing the odds in that regard, so I can respect that.
3: Um, I mean, hey, I mean, hey, it's a game of dice and a game of luck. I mean, if you can't have lady luck on your side, you're not going to do super well, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that it was worth it, you know, not playing Space Marine, sticking to your guns with the Death Watch, the Blood Angels, all that stuff. Obviously, I'm kind of asking you, like, is your army better than a totally different army? But, um, yeah, the temptation had to be there. Get Doctrines, get all this other stuff. Like, so what was the thought process there? Were you just trying to be a special snowflake?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, w- I was playtesting a couple Space Marine lists, uh, as everyone else was. Uh, I was. I was playtesting a 12th Centurion list, I felt it had potential, but uh, I didn't feel comfortable taking that to a big major with the Codex being so new and not having enough practice with it. i basically, I basically been playing this list since June or earlier, uh, so I just felt more comfortable with the list, and I felt like I knew what I was going into with it. And just changing a third of it to the new Space Marine stuff, which kind of meshed with my list already, I felt was much easier than playing an entirely new new list. So I I don't know how much practice you had with the new Spaceman Codex before you came to SoCal, Nick. But uh, I think
0: SoCal was my third game with my exact list. I, I played some okay. White Scars when White Scars dropped because I was most right. interested in them. Um, but that list played completely differently to the one I brought to SoCal. Um, so with the list I brought, uh, three whole games, and I definitely felt that the game I lost to to Brian Pollen. Yeah. Um, not to take anything away from him, he's a great dude. Check out Art of War from last week, guys. But uh, he. My lack of experience with my army is ultimately why I lost, not just that we played on the hill table.
3: Right, and that's that's exactly the reason why I felt I shouldn't go with the new Space Marine Codex, only because I wasn't familiar with it with it enough. I mean, we haven't even seen the full potential of Space Marines, I don't think yet, no, just, because, just because of how many different lists and options they have available. So I was thinking I'd rather know what people are most likely going to take and build against that than try to do something I'm not familiar with and potentially lose out on it
0: it makes total sense yeah and for most people it uh you're you made the right call i mean space marines didn't win the event so space marines weren't even on the finals of the event
3: and uh, yeah i was kind of surprised by that Out honest. of the three people who went undefeated
0: you were one of them and you didn't and two of them didn't run space marines so
2: i oh, know john lennon went undefeated he was running space marines
0: i know i know i said two out of three. Oh, sorry
2: mm. all right fair enough I'm sorry, Nick, um, English yeah, was, is my second language. So I was give me a little, little
3: disappointed. I was I was I had geared my list to be able to deal with centurions and I never fought centurions, unfortunately. But I guess 20 mega knobs is close enough.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so how many? I'm sorry, refresh my memory. How many Smash Captains did you end up with then? Is it three?
3: So it's technically three, but you actually have a fourth one because I have a watch captain. Who is not a captain? He's a watch captain. And then I also have the chaplain. Who, if I want to build him the right way with the pregame strats, I can actually have a fifth smash captain, so to speak, so with you, a with a mini one.
2: So you, really, you literally have like five guys that just go ham.
3: Yeah, and then Did you, you ever add the,
0: not buy the smash chaplain, the stuff to make him a smash chaplain.
3: So I actually never bought it. I actually I never, never bought, bought the. Bennett, it. I never bought. The Benediction of Fury, uh I just didn't feel the extra CP was worth it in those games. To be honest, to be I've
0: cut my chaplain and everyone looks at that guy and they're like, oh my god, a 90-point smash captain with damage yeah. four. Oh my god, but you know, I don't think any top players are running him these days. He's just not what he used to be. Even those no. that still run chaplains just run him for like a different aura.
3: No, I think I think the best use for him is uh just buffing Buffing dudes, and that's what he did most of the time. Uh usually so the way the massive ambush warlord trait works is that the warlord and one unit gets to go redeploy. So usually I would make it the chaplain. So then now he's buffing the centurions in the middle of the board uh with his like charge. What would you take for him, generally speaking? So I usually actually took the plus one to wound, uh the plus one to wound against shooting because whatever they're shooting against, I want to make sure that. They're clearing they're clearing the screens that I'm shooting at, so yeah, my death neck come down so. so potent. Oh yeah. When I was shooting it's grots and drones. It also and helps with other like space uh,
0: repulsors, too. Like if the repulsor is closest and you're just shooting 60, 70 bolter shots into it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing I was thinking about. Uh, if I faced the Iron Hand flyer list, the flamers with plus one wound would be really good against those.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um all right, so I guess my last question before we wrap up this episode is: mm-hmm. uh, if you have played in any other formats, Nova, etc., anything like that, um, how would your list change? Do you think?
3: Uh, well, for example, Warzone Atlanta, this upcoming weekend that I'm going to, uh, I'd I probably have like missions for that. This is like three days before. <laughs> so, if, so I would probably take less scouts because I do not like the format of the Warzone Atlanta missions. I'm sure they're great, but uh from my playtesting of them, my list I don't feel well, at least I don't feel like my list will be super great against them. And you playtest in the format? Them, <laughs> okay, I'll slow down. I've only playtested like two of the two of the five missions. <laughs> I'm
0: just kidding you a time. But uh sorry um, to keep interrupting. Keep going.
3: No, you're fine. Uh, they, the the war- so from what I've played of the Warzone Atlanta missions, it, i guess this is tips for you too, Nick. Uh, they kinda they kinda favor basically Alpha Striking your opponents and killing them right away, which I'm not a big fan of, but... Yeah,
0: that's not a good way to play
3: this game. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if they're the same missions you played last year or if they've completely swapped them out or whatever, but... Uh,
0: I heard they just like took the feedback from last year and made small adjustments. Mm-hmm. Last year, I played Tiernan's Wars on LN. I went 5-0, and but I lost. Right. Uh, I, I got second on Battle Points or something. Uh, but I certainly was not Alpha Striking people off the table. I was very cagey and
3: whatnot, so... Well, so, like, I'll give you an example. One of the, one of the missions, I think it's a secondary, is uh, killing six units will get you six of your 33 battle points. But the first person to do it gets an additional three battle points. Got it.
0: Six. Any six units or, like, six
3: units? Any, any six units. Okay. So, so if I get lucky and kill six units before you, I just get an additional three points that you can no longer get. Yeah. So, so very, I'm not, very
0: heavy for, like... I'm going first. You have lots of scout squads or something. All
3: right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm not a huge fan of that format, but uh, so I guess, so I guess I would have to say it's more of like a, I guess it's a mix between, say, ITC and Adepticon missions, because I know Adepticon kind of favors like smashing your opponent too, right?
0: Yeah. Adepticon rewards you for killing your opponent and standing on the objectives. So I mean.
3: Yeah, that's that's basically the worst on Atlanta missions too. I feel like, Uh, but they they at least have some ITC elements to them. So, okay, I'm I'm looking forward to those missions. Would you
0: change your list? Do you think, or would you
1: not?
3: Uh, I so you know it's funny. The deadline was the Friday before SoCal, so I was like, I'll just submit the same list. I hope for the best (laughs) (laughs) because I. I hadn't I hadn't looked at the missions too much and I was so much more focused on SoCal because SoCal has a bit had a bigger attendance overall than what Adla- Atlanta's looking to be, so I just figured it'd be the more, more important one. Even though I'm hoping to do about as well as as I did at SoCal for uh for Warzone Atlanta. But
2: So wait a minute, you're you're hoping to win all your games? I'm,
3: I'm hoping to uh...
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> You know, I'd be I'd I'd honestly be fine with that if I won all my games and didn't win the tournament.
0: You know just after you just did it, I'm I'm shocked you said that because it's happened to me like twice this season already where I've won all my games and not won the tournament, and I feel so salty after.
3: <laughs> you know, man, I had just going undefeated at such a big major at SoCal. I felt was a pretty good accomplishment for me. I mean, 230 players. Uh, how many was even Nova? Was was Nova that big, or was it bigger?
0: I think Nova was 280 this year, but okay, this is definitely the biggest SoCal's ever been, and I think it was the. Th- Second, the third or fourth largest in the country. Yeah, ABO, Nova,
3: Adepticon. I mean, that, that's still a pretty, pretty big accomplishment for any, for anyone going six and zero with sure. the third biggest tournament in the country. Which I was pretty happy with. And uh, my goal is not to win the ITC this year, but make top ten, top five. But I'm yeah. like i 13, I'm thirteenth right now, so that's my goal right now. So if I can go five and zero at Atlanta, I'd be happy. But the yeah, so part of the track. part of the reason why I say that is they actually they even said it in their mission packet, Nick is that they made it very hard to score full points every game. So I'm not sure if my list can do that or not with the way their lists are formatted. So that's why that's why I say I'm happy with going 5-0 and but
1: not right, winning the event. Right.
0: And that's actually, I missed a lot of battle points last year because I played Nids. I just wasn't tabling people. I was taking right. objectives and holding people. And mm-hmm. that, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. It'll be time. Uh, maybe we'll have the winner of Warzone Atlanta Unless it's you again, <laughs> come back on this one. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, anything else you want to ask John or add to this?
2: No, I think we've actually had a pretty thorough strategy discussion. It was really interesting because your your list is
0: very unique. It's super unique, and I think a lot of the juice to this list is going to come in in part two because it's a list one of the few in the game that literally changes its strategy every single for every single opponent deployment type, all that stuff. So. I'll be really interested to get to that conversation. So anyways, guys, that'll be in part two. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, give us a like, follow, all that jazz. Um, check out the Frontline Gaming Network. That's where you can find us and other podcasts like 40K Stats Center or Chapter Tactics. Uh, Colin, is there any place that we can find you?
3: Uh, if, we, if, we stream, if we stream in the future, it'll be on the FNP Wargamers uh, channel. And, uh, you can find me at the, all the, all the, all the Texas events coming up this next year, as well as Warzone Atlanta and LVO. You can come out and say hi and, uh, introduce yourselves and all that. Awesome. So
0: check out the FMP stuff, go to tournaments in Texas, and I'll see you guys
1: later. Thanks for watching guys. Thanks for having me guys. No problem. It was a pleasure like the strategy discussion you heard want to hear more about the tactics of this list sign up for our patreon at aow40k.com where we go deep into details of optimal play this has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Demaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at aow40K.com. And of course, connect. connect. On Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.